going to be in Acts chapter 2 today. We're going to do part 2 of the healthy church. So you notice it looked a little different maybe when you came in today in front of the church. So we're getting the sign redone. It had quite a few years on it, probably about 15 years or better uh, on the sign there. So we're, that is in the process of getting redone. There was a little bit of a setback there, so we were hoping to have it done for uh, today, but it'll be probably, hopefully by next Sunday, maybe we can have it in there. So, um, And then what else? So the shrubs got taken out. So Gary came yesterday at the Bobcat and Chris and myself. We got those out of there. So, and then we got some new, uh, some new plants that are going to be, they're just going to pop in the ground. Right, Matthew? <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so we're going to, we'll be working on that and uh, that should happen here this week. So uh, just kind of changing up the landscaping there a little bit. So amen. And then uh, coming up, uh, Christy By, Christy was here. There she is. Man, you just have good timing, Christy. So she will, um, Amy and I will be gone on the 30th of October. So um, I'll be down in Florida for uh, meetings down there. But uh, Christy will be speaking on the 30th. That's when Candy Palooza is as well. So um, you've always enjoyed her ministry, and I know you'll be blessed. Yeah, you'll be blessed by it and challenged. So um, be planning for that. And so I was wondering, the hot chocolate, is that next Sunday or on the 30th? It's on the 30th, because he said next week. He still has that in his brain, doesn't he? All right, so it is the summarizing a little bit of the information in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus says before he uh, ascends to be with the Father, he says, wait for the Holy Spirit, the gift that the Father has promised. And so they do that, and it says that you will receive power to be my witnesses. They do that. The day of Pentecost happens. It was an annual feast. It wasn't like this day that was unique out of the others, except for on this Pentecost, this annual feast that people came from all over, not just from Jerusalem and Judea, but from other parts, wherever these Jewish people had moved to, they came back for this annual feast that took place over several days. And it was on that festival, that feast, that God would get place His Holy Spirit upon all people, although that um, they accepted Him and received that gift. So, um, on that day, 3,000 are saved. We see that in the first part of Acts chapter 2. And then the passage we're focusing on in verse 42, it's right after Peter has preached. Um, he gives the altar call, if we want to call out that. Um, they are baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. They are saved, 3,000. But then we get to see what does the early church look like, okay? Um, it probably didn't look a lot like this, Okay. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Things have changed down through culture, right? They didn't have lights. They probably didn't have light towers or drums. Um, they maybe had musical instruments, I'm assuming. And they did praise and worship. We know that. But it probably looked a little different. They didn't have church buildings. Most of what we see in this early era is that they met in homes. They didn't have the funds for a, a, a building just dedicated towards that. That would come later. Um, and so um, we see those things, and I think those shift and change based upon culture, okay? If we were to go with uh, Christy when she was with her husband in Africa, churches, many churches are started under a, a tree or just a metal roof, right? It is different, okay? And that is their church 
building or church place, right? And it can look different in all different locations. And in China, where uh, the communism was so strong, the church continued to grow. They didn't meet in church buildings per se, but they met in homes, right? And so um, there's characteristics that we really want to focus in on because wherever the church is at, it's going to look different. But there's nothing wrong with that. But what we want to capture, what are the characteristics of a healthy church? You following me? So we're going to look at those this morning. So we covered part one last week. There were six points, and I still went long last week, even though I only covered three of them. So, so you're going to have to pray hard. No, we'll get done on time here. So um, we're going to focus on the last three here. So last week we covered community or that idea of fellowship. So it's not only just coming together and talking, that is part of it, definitely part of it. But it's also that idea that I'm, uh, there's ownership there and commitment to a group of believers and to what God is doing. Okay, so there's that partnership idea that comes through, uh, the koinonia. And then the study of God's word, they would come together, they'd meet in homes, and they would study the apostles' uh, teaching, and they would study God's word, and then they would pray. Okay, those are the first three things that we talked about. And so then we're going to dive into these last three as we look at this. So let's look to the Lord in prayer, and then we're going to dive in together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God that speaks to us. Even right now, Lord, uh, it is more than words on a page. It is the living word of God that can shape and transform us, uh, that can give us light, it can correct us, guide us. And he can speak life to us. So, Lord, this morning we pray that you would come into this place and make your word come alive. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's read that passage together. Starting in verse 42 of chapter 2, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So we would understand that as communion, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So there's... There's stuff that's happening there. All the believers were together and had everything in common. We're going to talk more about that. And they sold property and possessions to give anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, there's just this camaraderie there, all right, um, that it was contagious and other people came along. And they praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. All right. So we talked about community, that idea of fellowship, the study of God's word and prayer. The, the fourth one, or it's going to be point one here, um, would be spirit-empowered ministry. It was another characteristic that we see that was part of the healthy church, right? As they met together and they prayed and they had fellowship, they are also in awe at the many things that God was doing. Right? You know, often we use that word, oh, that was awesome, right? And I think sometimes we overuse that word, awesome. But they were seeing some pretty incredible miracles take place. And so, Acts chapter 3, next week, a man that's been crippled from birth, right, receives his legs and he's able to go away leaping, jumping, and praising God. As they met in these times of uh, studying God's word and prayer, and fellowship, people were healed, miracles take place, and you're going to see that throughout the book of Acts. Uh, people are set free from evil spirits, and even even Peter, right, is released from prison. He's he's 
jailed. He's locked up and the angel comes and delivers him in the middle of the night. And God answers their prayer, right? And he goes to a place where he thinks they will be meeting and he knocks on the door. The lady opens it up, sees it's Peter and she slams the door in his face, right? Right? God had answered their prayer, but she thought it was a ghost, right? And, um, and she said, Peter's there. And they said, no, he's not there, you know? And uh, sure enough, he was. But those are the miracles that we see. Uh, and as you work your way through the book of Acts, people are even healed as, they, as Peter's shadow falls upon them. Isn't that incredible? God's presence was so working so powerfully in the midst of that. Miracles are a product of spirit-empowered ministry. And it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the confidence and the boldness to pray and to minister to people, believing Him for things that are not humanly possible. God used these early believers, and He can use you as well. Right? It's, it's just not me. It's just not if you're a deacon or been in the church like a certain limit of time. God can use you if you have faith in Him and you've said, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. He can use you to provide a miracle for somebody else in need, to pray with them. And I believe he can, first of all, he gives you the confidence and the boldness to pray with somebody because sometimes that takes a little bit of boldness, right, and confidence. But then also the miracle happens through his mighty power. Um, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Now, based upon this passage, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, okay? Now, based upon that passage, why do we pray small prayers? Why do we pray small prayers? What do I mean by that? What I mean is that we often pray prayers that doesn't take much of God's mighty power at all to answer right? Why do we do that? Is it because we lack faith? Maybe. Is it because we, pour, we cried out to God in previous times and God didn't answer our prayer the way we had hoped? Maybe. Is it because we look at God's power and His might through our human, human limitations? In other words, God can only do what I can humanly think is possible, Right? I, I fall into that trap, and sometimes it's kind of like, you know, we believe God for small amounts when God is able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. You know, the church lacked, that early church lacked a lot of things from a human perspective, money, political power, military strength, but they had a boldness and a faith that came from God, and as that happened, they had powerful and effective ministry. And they, people respected them. They were in awe of them because they heard the word on the street that God was doing some incredible things. People were getting healed in the name of Jesus whom the Romans and the Jewish leaders had crucified. And there was an awe and respect for these believers and people wanted to be part of what God was doing. An example of this is Philip. So we catch up with him in Acts chapter 7. Um, he is appointed to wait on tables and take care of Grecian widows. And to do that, he had to be a person that was of integrity and filled with the Holy Spirit. Just think about that, the qualifications there. They picked seven of them that would help out with that. Philip um, is, is called to do that. And that's what he's doing. And then Acts chapter 8, persecution hits Jerusalem. Um, 
Paul, who was then called Saul, was part of that, right? And so the church scatters. And we, you know, if we were a believer at that time, we would have considered that a very bad thing, right? But yet God used that persecution to get people out of Jerusalem into other places. And so Philip ends up in in Samaria to the north of Jerusalem. We know that Jesus ministered in Samaria, right? And it was a, a place that was unreached because the Jewish people did not want to go through Samaria because they were half-breeds. Um, they even were as crude to call them dogs, all right? And not in a friendly, nice sense like Karen would call a dog, you know. Um, they're next to angels to her, all right? But it was in a very derogatory sense that they called them dogs. And they wouldn't even go through Samaria. They would take the longer route to go around. And so Jesus went there. That's where the woman at the well, he ministers to her. And and many people in Sychar, that Samaritan town, come to know Christ that day. But, you know, Philip wasn't an apostle. He was called to, to take care of Grecian widows that were being overlooked. But he was a godly man that loved God. And he is described as being a full of the Holy Spirit. So he ends up in Samaria, and he doesn't know anything different. He doesn't have his credentials from the assemblies of God. He, um, you know, he doesn't know any better, so he starts preaching. And guess what? People get saved, right? And we're even talking about some difficult cases. A guy that's a sorcerer, right, that is enslaved to Satan, he's set free, and he wants to know more about Christ. Miracles take place as Philip's begins to minister and preach. Um, Peter and John show up later. They pray for the believers that they might f- be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, I, and as I look at that, I, if God can use Philip, God can use you or I. Now, Philip definitely had some giftings there. I believe he kind of had that evangelistic gifting. And even though he was called to take care of widows, his gifting kind of came forth and God used that within his life. And Philip would have some pretty cool ministry within the book of Acts. We'll read as we go through it. But God used him. God can use you and I. One of the first miracles that I remember God using me in was in our first pastorate. Um, I was probably 24, 25 years old. I was considered myself young, Murray, right? We were talking about ages this morning. And she was mourning the fact that she crossed that threshold into 30s. You have three more days. All right. All right. You know, and I I couldn't wait till I got 30 because as a pastor, it's kind of like we were the youngest couple in the church that we pastored. It's kind of like when we got 30, maybe people, you know, they're always talking about you being young, you know. And so I was kind of wanting to be seen as, well, maybe a little bit older. Of course, I have a young face, they always tell me. So it's part of that. But... But there was this photographer, and I've, I've shared this over the years, but there was a photographer that was part of Kiwanis, and I was part of that group as well. And um, he was giving me some tropical fish, and just as a kind gesture, and they're beautiful African cichlids, all right? And uh, so we went over to his place, and um, just, yeah, we talked a little bit, and uh, he gives me the fish, and he goes, and it just in a random conversation, he says, you know, my wife and I, they've only been married a short time, but they've been trying to have kids for a couple of years. And he just said, you know, we've been trying to have kids, but haven't been able to, to have any kids, you know. So we could have just went on our way, taken our fish and went on our way. Amy is with me. But I just sensed my spirit, you know. I, you know, I'm a young preacher. I don't know any better, right? So I just said, hey, you know, um, before we leave, can we pray that 
you know, you guys have a child. And he probably thought that was weird, and I don't know. He, but he, we prayed with him, you know. And we prayed with him, and, um, you know, nothing really, didn't hear anything, but all of a sudden I hear, you know, they have a kid. They have a kid, okay, a boy. And uh, nine months later. And the, the cool thing, when they, they moved shortly after that, after the baby was probably a year or two old, they moved to Fargo, North Dakota, and he just said, you know, uh, I stopped by to see him before we left. And he said, you know, we kind of narrowed it down. That was like within 24 to 36 hours after you prayed for us that my wife conceived. You know, and, and so they knew that God had answered prayer. And uh, so it's a cool thing. God can use you and I. All right. I got a few other stories there. and I'll have to save them for labor. The second thing we see, not only do we see that they were committed to spirit-empowered ministry, but... They, and that's why we do, we have people come forward for prayer at the ends, not every Sunday, but a lot of Sundays. It's because we, we want to agree with you in prayer to believe God for miracles and just answers to prayer in your life, okay? So number two, though, is generosity. And this is a cool picture, just kind of helps us understand what God was doing. Um, it says that um, verse... 44 and 45, that all the believers came together and they had everything in common. So some translations will read that a little differently. Basically, if there was a need within the body of Christ and within these believers, they shared with one another. It's kind of like, hey, you know, if you need something, it's, it's, it's yours, right? It's like you're having friends or family come into the house. They have refrigerator rights, right? If they, they can have what they want there, right? And that's what was taking place there. And, and they even sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And so I think they were even taking care of needs of people in the community that had needs, right? The Romans did not have a good um, social system as far as what we have in America, that if there are needs there, um, yeah, that wasn't there. And so if anybody was going to take care of it, other people had to step up, and the church kind of filled that need. And they sold houses and land. Think about that, folks. Possessions to help out with the needs of other people. Now, we can say revival is a lot of things, you know, you know maybe people falling on the floor or people getting saved or whatever the case may be. But when people are willing to part with their money and their material things, I think that's revival, folks. And they didn't do it grudgingly. They did it cheerfully. Nobody was saying, hey, you have to do that. They did it. Um, to me, that is a really a characteristic of true revival, along with the salvations and people being baptized. Um, we know that later that these believers would be committed to helping the poor. So you go maybe 80, 100 years down the road, they were still, the church was so committed to helping people out that they would fast and pray meals not just to be spiritual and to get close to God, but so that they could save money so that they could give to help other people out. So that's being pretty committed to helping out to the needs of others, isn't it? Um, that I'm willing to go without a meal or two so that um, others can um, not go hungry. True generosity flows from a heart, I believe, that is touched by God. And these, God, these believers were touched by God. They were in awe with, with what God was doing. And so 
they really had a heavenly perspective and they weren't clinging to the things of this world. Now, I know that we need a roof over our head, although Friday morning I was in the tree stand and I heard commotion behind me and here was this raccoon, he crawled up the tree, he was kind of just cute, he crawled up the tree and I thought, well, what's he going to do up there? And I did see this kind of indentation, I thought, oh, I wonder if that's a hole. Sure enough, he just crawls right in there, disappears and, you know, he had been eating all night, I suppose. And so he was calling it a day, so right, and he's going in. That's kind of like, you know, we need a roof overhead, yet God provides for the animals in such a cool way, doesn't he? Um, we need homes. We need to save for retirement. We should have money in the bank, right, to help out in a emergency, right? I've been in that place where if you don't have money in the bank and all of a sudden, you know, a car will break down. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. You have to have some of those things saved up. But you don't need to have like several million dollars in the bank, right? We, we, we can live on much less than that and live well, right? Um, and so the church, you have to navigate that, uh, providing for your family but also being generous. And I think it's not an either or. I think it's a both and. We can do both. We can be generous towards God and towards others but also take care of our needs, right? I think we can do both. Um, pastor you haven't looked at the prices at the pump or at the store yeah yeah <laughs> i'm feeling it you know what but i don't think generosity is based upon oh if i'm really doing well or if the economy's really doing well because look at what we see here in the early church were times good i don't think so they were having things confiscated from them they were dealing with persecution and yet they were still able to be generous in a very difficult time I believe generosity is when we are our heart is touched by God and God is moving in us, we are a vessel that he flows through to touch our world. Amen? Thanks, John. <laughs> a little quiet. And John, you, you have a different perspective, I think. Um, because you're, you're, you, were, you were close that... You can, you know, you maybe wouldn't have even been here. And when you, uh, I know it touched and changed your life, how you look at things, that the things of this earth are so temporary. What's, in, what's eternal is a relationship with God. Matthew 6 says, Do not store up your, for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if God has your heart, I think the generosity thing is really easy. But if the things of this world have your heart, I think it is hard, okay? Because we're torn. Let God have your heart, and I think the generosity thing comes pretty naturally. All right? Amen. You know, and here in our church, I, I could give other illustrations, but, um, you know, Amy had surgery, and it wasn't like real, real major surgery, but, it, you know, it, she was on crutches for a few days and a week, and, um, and uh, you know, some of you stepped up and provided a meal, and if you've been on the receiving end of that at times, you know that it, the meal, we have great cooks in our congregation, I'll say that, right, up front. <laughs> All right, if you're sleeping, you're not now. All right. Um, we have great cooks. Um, 
And, and so the meals are always good, but it also is just seeing that person come into your home, right, and, and fellowship with you, talk with you, and just sensing that love and care, I think that is, is so valuable. Am, am I right? Amen. Amen. All right. So that is one way that I see um, our church really fulfilling that and helping out the needs. Amen. Lastly, we see, we see um, in the healthy church there, so we have all six of them, and we just talked about generosity. So the last one is praise and worship. So as they gathered in homes, they prayed, they studied God's word, they had fellowship, they actually had meals together, right? Um, they had this generosity thing going. They prayed for the needs of other people, had that ministry in in those homes, but also even when they were out and about. So the miracle we see in chapter 3 was they were going from um, prayer back to their homes. They prayed for the guy. And so ministry is taking place, but they also worshiped God. They worshiped God together. There was praise and there was worship. Um, we were at Matthew and Anna's Tuesday night, right? And one of the guests that they invited along, so it was Pastor Andy and, and Lizzie and Amy and I and uh, Anna's parents and another lady that was a neighbor. And she brought her guitar along. And she's Jewish, but she still knew some gospel songs. And so we, we just played in their living room, and she played some songs, and we sang some of the gospel songs, so the older ones. And, you know, it's just kind of neat just to praise and worship God as a, by believers. I enjoy this time on Sunday mornings that as we praise and worship to God, God together, there is something powerful that happens when we worship God. We need to do it individually, but there's also powerful times when we, as the body of Christ, worship Him together. And it is worship practice, I believe, for heaven, right? Because when we gather in heaven, it says that we're going to gather around the throne and there's going to be praise and worship that is going to take place. And I believe that there's something powerful about worship and praising Him that brings in God's presence. Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells these, this early church, he says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you're called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with a gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, do it in word or in deed. Do it in the name of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. But singing to God in psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. I think we came pretty close to hitting on all three of those today, right? Uh, giving praise to God. There is something powerful about when God's people begin to praise Him whether it's in a larger group or in a smaller group. And as the musicians come, um, I'll just close with this one illustration that I was in a class that was early on in ministry in our first pastorate. Went for a, a master's class at Trinity Bible College. And it was like one of my first classes I was taken by extension. I went there just for a week. And there was only like four or five of us in this class. It was a small class. We're meeting in a conference room, and I think it was on church growth and evangelism, I think is what it was about. But I got there, and class started at 8. I was still kind of waking up. You know, I had breakfast, but it was just, you know, kind of getting going. And the professor says, you know, I want you, he just let us a cappella. In other words, no m instruments, just, um, just our voices. 
encourage us just to praise God. Um, and it seemed kind of mechanical, to be honest. And, you know, me being the early adopter I am, you know, it's kind of like I was dragging my feet. But I learned that as I just began to praise him along with those that were there, that God's presence filled that place. And it was a valuable lesson that wherever you're at, whether you're driving down the road, uh, whether you're in the tree stand, whether you're golfing, um, out in the country, working, at school, that God's presence can fill that place as you begin to worship and praise Him. You know, and I don't know if you're anything like me. There's times that, you know, maybe you need an attitude adjustment, okay? I'm not pointing any fingers, okay? Um, But I know there's times that, you know, it can be whatever the case may be. Relationships with people. Prices at the pump. You can't believe they did that. You know, and you can post it on Facebook. I just think that's a really good witness when you go on Facebook and rant and rave. Just saying. If you rant and rave, take it to God. Get it off your chest and then praise Him. Okay? You're a believer of Christ. And um, let Him adjust your heart. And let Him's presence fill that place where you're at. Because He will. I don't care if there's no instruments, you know, we got, this should be an easy place for us to worship. But you know what? God's presence can come just as easily into whatever place, whether it's in prison, as Paul, we see that with Paul, your place of work. Um, I was working in, so we, I helped Gary and Chris, we were doing the stuff out front, and so I went home, got lunch, and then thought, oh, my garden, it's going to freeze this week, so I might as well get my garden cleaned up. And it's not, you know, it had to be done, but it wasn't anything that I enjoy doing, right? But I put in my earbuds and put on K-Love. And they even are playing these oldies because it's their 40th anniversary. So it's kind of like, oh, I remember some of those. <laughs> um, but it became a time of worship and praise just as I worked and listened to music. It changes your attitude, folks, as God's presence comes in. You know, in this early church, you don't hear them moaning or complaining or arguing. They're not downcast. And they had every reason to be, right? Because there was, things were difficult. They were being told not to talk anymore in the name of Jesus. And we'll see that it gets even worse here in the coming days. Yet they they weren't walking around with their heads kind of, uh, right? They had glad and sincere hearts. Isn't that powerful? As they were met together. I think when there's these healthy characteristics in the church and in our lives, the glad and sincere heart is a byproduct. It's nothing that we force or I have to. It's God's presence fills the place. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And I don't want to assume that everybody is in a right relationship with God. Maybe you've been raised in the church, um, but you don't know if you have a relationship with God or not, if 
if God would take you home and it was your time, we don't have any guarantees. Do you have the assurance that you'd go to heaven? And scripture says that we can know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we can know. We can have that assurance. And so I'm going to invite us all to pray this morning. And, and if that is you, you don't have that assurance in your heart this morning, um, I'm just going to invite you to pray with us this morning and place your faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's pray together, saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. I place my faith in you and the work that you did for me on the cross of Calvary. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Praise God. Now if you can keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that for the first time, I'm just going to scan the crowd. And if you look at me with your eyes open, I'll know that you prayed that. Amen. Amen. I just That way just gives me a chance to... Um, amen. No. Amen. Praise God. And Father, this morning, just as we sing this closing song, I pray that your presence fills this place in our heart. Um, there's nothing more that I want as a pastor as I look at the passage I see in Acts for those same qualities to be evident in our church. And I see so many of them there, but there's always room for growth, Lord, for us to be the body of Christ and for us to grow closer to you. And so, Lord God, um, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to speak into our lives, challenge us, transform us, make us into who you've called us to be. We ask in your name. Amen.